We've tried to jack this up week on week on week, and now we're doing it. And now this is the week where all of the stuff you're talking about has. I've, I've had a very synergistic week, and we're now having a conversation about it. Okay, welcome everybody to this podcast. Before we kick off, I just want to introduce our guest, Ryan O'Connor. What's up, brother? How are you? Good, man. We've just had an epic mammoth conversation, and although we haven't met each other very much in real life uh, or done many podcasts, it feels like because we've spent such quality zoomed-in time together, we we do this thing, don't we, bro? Yeah, man. It's... uh... You blow minds, I look for life less ordinary, and uh, those two things coincide. Boom. Give me the 30-second sell on you, bro. Make my life easier. Tell everyone who it is they're about to uh, deep dive into. Day-to-day, I'm an optometrist, and um, like I said, I try look for people that live life less ordinary trying to explore what success means what success means to me what success means to other others and um, use the examples from around the world to uh, be an example for myself I love it, man. We cover some huge topics, um, you know, breathing techniques, the ice, the heat, the eyes. We spend a decent chunk talking about your profession, um, which is our portal to the world. Ryan, thank you for joining us and blowing our minds, bro. Sure. <laughs> Let's get into it. Um, Ryan, uh, let me set this up a little bit. So with all the technology in the world, I've got my new Apple AirPods. I've been waiting for this moment. We've been going back and forth on this algorithm of the online world, trying to set it up. And of course, when we hit start, it doesn't work. Uh, I'm going to call this episode back to basics because it's just two dudes sitting on pretty standard setups, um, chatting on Zoom, man. How are you? Good, bro. Yeah, no. Um, mine's a little bit more advanced than the basics. <laughs> I just, I just started off with the um, the laptop driver and, and some Apple headphones with the uh, earpods. Oh, what are they called? <laughs> Connected to the wire, and there's yep. a speaker on the wire, right? But the, the Apple headphones. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I've got a little dynamic um, double cardoid. I don't know what that <laughs> that word meant before. And That's a awesome. pop filter. Damn. <laughs> Damn, what, what girl. What does this little thing do? What does this little thing do? That's next level. Isn't that everything wrong with life, bro? It's like, this is what we're focusing on, all of these pop filters. We've got like pop filters for everything. But but really, what are we doing? We're trying to have a conversation and we just get in the bloody way of it. Amen. Yeah. No, it's... um. It, it is in the way. That's why your one's better, the, the one around around the top of the mic. <laughs> oh, well, look, we do the best we can, and I try and give ourselves permission to um, be okay with it. But, look, let's um, start on the topic of back to basics because I don't know about you, man, but do you kind of get the feeling that, um, like, we've forgotten some of the fundamental basics just of – I don't know, like exactly this. We're, we're, we're kind of worried about how to make our internet connection work instead of just worrying about connection itself. There's something kind of weird about this life we live, amen, where it's like, I don't know, it's like a, it feels like we're um, hacked or we're, it's a, it's a you know, like um, you always hear those parasite stories 
where the mm. parasite takes over the host. I mean, if it would make sense if someone said to me, hey, guess what? You've been taken over by a parasite and, um, you know, it makes you, it doesn't help you live. It just lets you survive just so it can leech off you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you put out that word connection. Um, and two things from today, actually, like one was a, a sort of a you know inspirational quote, something about being in the right place at the right time. You know, if things things are going to happen, they, they're going to happen. So you know, this is probably what this conversation is about. What you opened up with that word on connection is something that I an anecdote I heard today. Um, my uh, colleague at work, no longer director, semi-retired, Mr. Mark Eagle, um, he was telling me about a, a friend in the social circle that was talking about his social circle, so this guy must have been a little bit younger, saying that, oh, COVID has just got parents furious. And Mark was going, oh, yeah, the school system, look, it is just a trap. No, 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 not this, nothing to do with the schools. All these parents have found out that their children are just absolute shits and don't do what they're doing. And Mark's going... Yeah, okay, I hear you. And, and it was just, no, that's the story. It was like, so whose fault? Who, whose fault is that? Like, is it is it the kid's fault? The parent's fault? Who's who's going on the course? Who's who's um making this better? And it's probably that thing right there that we've uh, outsourced so much of our life, our kids included to schools, you know, that uh, – when it comes to being together, we don't like each other anymore. <laughs> mm, exactly, man. You that's that's like that's hit it on the head, eh? That's hit it on the head. And it doesn't seem like humanity really liked each other anyway. I mean, <laughs> we've always been pretty um, open to looking at differences rather than the similarities, right? And it just like all this stuff just amplifies it. And I mean, you know, it's it's um, talked about every day, but there's these kind of teams and you got to pick a side. And then I do sit on that though and think, well, what's the solution? Is it to, because I, I, maybe the temptation is, we got to pick the right side, you know, the yeah. right side, meaning the truth or the best idea. But it's, I think it's an illusion, you know, like if you think of an immune system and I always talk about this kind of stuff because it buzzes me out like an immune system is your best friend, but it also, if it's on, if it's haywire, it attacks. Mm-hmm. And so it's jobs just to kind of like, kind of constantly love hate. And mm-hmm. do you think that's, um, you know, if I start thinking about meanings of life and stuff like that, I wonder if it's like that, like, like literally yin yang, like love hate. That if it's just love, it doesn't work, and if it's just hate, it doesn't work. And it's just this perpetual, you know, spiral of confusion, chaos. you know, chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm sort of thinking along the lines of like we've created this ultimate efficiency everything's about efficiency and so we've got um efficiently timing our start of our work with the start of our school kids go to school parents go to work work is just full of this pc hr culture no one says boo everything does everyone does their job focus on the job focus on productivity get it all done go home have your dinner watch your tv go to bed and uh next day comes around then um then is is my latest guest was sort of saying um, we all shut down the world, got told to go home and sit on your hands, and it was like, by the way, take the mirror with you and um, see what you like, see what it, see what you look like by staring at yourself in the mirror for weeks on end. You know, we 
He's a, we were always keep saying it over here, like we got lucky six, six or so weeks. Now you've, you've had a few more rounds of it than I have, but um, compared to the rest of the world, I was listening to Rogan today, you know, one year later with LA, locking down two weeks, turned into one year. Mm. And um, yeah, there'll be a lot of, well, there are a lot of people looking at the systems that they've bought into and the ideas that they've bought into and the reasons why they ended up in, the pl- in a place. Like Rogan, Rogan and Tom Skira were saying 14 years in LA and they just sort of stayed there because it worked. And then when it no longer worked, they were like, well, why are we here? Could I do this somewhere else? <laughs> and, um, yeah, there's there's probably a lot of a lot of people asking a few more whys and, and what's and how's and when's and who's. Absolutely. Did you ask any whys, bro? Like, have you? Because, because ironically, you're one of two guests that I did this these pre-COVID podcasts with, <laughs> and I, and I never released them. And I was thinking about it today. Like, I should just release them, but I don't know why. It's like it's like it's like I don't want to go back in time. You know? Yeah. Like this whole year has just seemed kind of surreal in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I look at where I'm at now, I'm like. Well, yeah, I'm. I can. I can notice myself trying to, you know, um, actually, what do you call it? Like, let the rip take me out until I get out and then swim sideways. Like, I can feel myself um, trying to be calm within the storm, and I can see my decision making, which is, you know, I don't know. It's. It's. I guess it's sporadic, but. <laughs> Is it allowed to be in a pandemic? You know, we talk about it's okay not to be okay and all this kind of junk. And yet I don't see any HR people kind of letting up on anyone. You know, it's mm. like the, you know, if you don't pay your rent, you still lose your house type thing. And it's all good until it, um, until it's not, until someone's <laughs> counting the beans, you know. And I don't know, like for me, uh, that band aid was ripped off of, trusting others with your well-being you know um and i guess i've been a bit more hopeful than most that when someone says hey man i really care about you and we're going to do this that we do this but my observation is that actually if it's if it's a win-win then sweet ass but most times people are just like I understand the principle, but I want to play with my iPhone. And if that means there's got to be some slave labor in China, then look, I still want to play with my iPhone. You know? Yeah. No, that's a that's a you know one of one of the many um, contradictions in this world, and 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 there's many. Yeah, like my my years been <sighs> yeah been been massive. Like so, pre COVID. Um, my partner and I separated, and and she took my not talk. Um, her and, and my daughter went went to Auckland to to move in with uh, her parents, and so that that's been the last year navigating that new world. Um, uh, I was also in the fortunate posi- position that I moved to my mate's place on a farm pre-COVID, and again that was like I think I moved in on the weekend, and everything was shut down by the Wednesday, so that was. <laughs> You know, timing, you know, everything that's meant to be. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I had a few months there and that was, you know, like many people, there was a few few days of internal tor- turmoil and, gosh, what the hell is going on? And then next day the sun came up again and you carried on. But, um, yeah, then I sort of started running and, you know, met, met a few influential people and entered a, a – um, 
ultramarathon. So then I was sort of, I don't know if I was running away from my problems, but I was definitely running and um, having to process problems because uh, when you're out, out training for an ultra, you're out there for sort of anywhere from where it was getting one hour. I was like, this is a long time. And it was two hours. So I was like, shit, this is a long time. And then it was like half a day on Saturday. I was like, oh, this is, this is too much time. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that was, that was rather healing, meditative, uh, mm. driving from Hawke's Bay to, to Kofada. That was healing and meditative. You know, there was days where you, again, could outsource your ideas, chuck on a few podcasts and get through them or just put on some music and let, let the feels come from whatever, you know, as music does. Mm. And, um, yeah, now, you know, I've, I've explored the journey of what it would mean to stay in Hawke's Bay and be with the people that I've invested the last two years in with and... You know, I was, came here looking for that next step as it was. And then sort of so with how things have gone, I've ended up going to be moving to Tokoroa. So back back to some people that I, I worked with in the Waikato. But, um, yeah, it's, it, to get to that place, it's been a lot of um, questioning and, and being torn because, you know, there's things called sunk cost bias out there. You know, you invest time, you invest energy, you make relationships, you, you know, you, um, especially in optometry when you're a professional and your colleagues are on the same level of professionality, just more experienced and now the directors, you kind of have this uh, collegial environment and, and you don't want to let them down. But realistically, you got to go back to those very core tenets of, well, what's important and, you know, as great as a career can be, really what's more important is, is your family first and then everything will flow from that. So that's that's the sort of place I've ended up is that, that family, for me, you know, it's not the family I'd imagined growing up, but it's uh, still my family. So it's, yeah, moving, moving closer to my daughter. I love that. I love that because, you know, it suggests to me that you can try run away from anything you want. But you might as well just tell yourself, I'm probably running towards, you know, yeah, because because right. you don't you don't hide, eh? And that's a really, um, I think that's the bit about like I won't say religion, but spirituality, you know, like believing and you know mm-hmm. having general good feelings of hope or something that that it's that's the intimidating bit is yet you know it knows. <laughs> it, it knows what you don't say, you know, um, the consciousness or that self, you know, that, that, but that, cause you know, you always hear of people, um, actually I heard it, which, uh, I don't know if you follow, um, that guy, Brian Rose, London real, but he's going through the <laughs> ringer at the moment. And actually I've, I, uh, I've got an uh, episode of, of, um, oh God, rebel wisdom to listen to. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. They've, they've talked to Brian Rose's former producer. That's it. That's it. Like that. That's it. That's yeah. it. And and like it's a it's a dynamite one. I won't go into it, but you know, one of the themes that comes up is actually he's not a bad dude. He's just got this ego, right? And and that's not the point. The point is that like uh, his business partner was saying, like like look at a picture of him. It's weighing on him. You know, like <laughs> this this kind of um, maybe it's just in general. Let's not speak about Brian, but you know. You're kind of, uh, you're not operating in a groove, you know, you're trying to push against the tide and Mm -hmm. it weighs on you. And I think that's the bit where, you know, you don't hide, (laughs) but, but, but at the same time, man, it's like, 
you know, it's really confronting to um, stand up against, you know, that tide and, and, um, and also think about it, eh? like it is an instinct to stand up against the tide because otherwise you get washed away. And I don't know, like, you know, me, bro, I get all metaphorical and stuff, but um, I definitely sit there and I think, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a tough old world trying to, I don't know, take any of those rules Jordan Peterson puts out there, like any one of those. There's, you know, 12, there's 12 more now, man. That's right. That's right. So you've got to live up to 24 of them. But, you know, like don't lie, for example. Like if it's possible, who knows? But to even go after like a day of that is huge, you know, because that, yeah. that includes like – the silly little ones like uh, how's it going? Good, thanks. You know, um, <laughs> when when you when you might not be so. Or, or, or hello, and the person responds back to you. Yeah, good. How are you? And you're like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, look, it's um fascinating, eh? To I don't know. Do you have any kind of like? Have you developed any kind of guiding principles? You know, um, I've like to I've started to call those kind of things like primal secrets. You know, the things yeah. that. That we've that we probably know we should do, uh, but we don't always put it to the front of the list, you know. Um, yeah, I was I was just sort of thinking as you're saying there about running away. That um, autonomic nervous system thing guides me a lot. So again, uh, some a conversation I had today, and it's and it's funny how when you observe the behaviour of someone, you're also kind of also observing yourself and thinking about yourself. And so what I sort of said was like um, somebody had done some interesting habits, and, and I said, you know, that's that's an interesting fear fear response, running away. And I said, it's a valid fear response. Flee is a valid fear response. But unfortunately, when you flee, then you're by yourself and you're more vulnerable. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I, I I do tend to lean into the fight response. Um, and, yeah, just this past weekend, I, um, I've, I've been trying to get out into the hills or sort of on my alternate weekends. So one weekend I'll be up with my daughter and then alternatively generally. Um, so sometimes I'll do a couple in a row up with my daughter or just whatever. But um, yeah, alternatively I've been trying to get down to the bush and try and enjoy it more. So um, I've sort of spoken a lot that originally when I go out there, I get that really sympathetic response. I feel like I'm quite anxious and you go to the toilet a lot. I'm wondering what I'm doing. I wonder if I'm prepared. I wonder if I can handle it. You know, there's, there's been a lot of doubt with going into that, you know, because going off trail, um, trying to find animals in, in, in a bush and, in, and you look around and it's so vast and you're like, where do I even begin? Mm. Um, but yeah, I've just been really trying to enjoy it, trying to push, push the skills. Um, I think having that fitness from doing the ultra has helped because I know that I can go, I know that I can walk, I know that I can be in the dark. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've traditionally had some bad self-talk in the bush, but this past weekend it was like raining, it was horrific. I um, stayed in this little biv that's like a little A-frame 
that was leaking, corrugated iron A-frame that was leaking, and I just sort of embraced embraced the suck. I think, I think that's Jocko Willink or something like that. And then, you know, my plan hadn't gone gone to plan. I was hoping to sort of sit out and watch a, a face. So that's a place where animals might come to feed, and I'd seen them before. So that was my plan, but it was just windy and raining, and so that's not conducive to them being out. They t- tend to sort of tuck up, and as you would, you'd tuck up and be shouted. So... I was like, right, no, that's not my plan. So already I was, you know, letting go and I walked this other way. I knew I knew the terrain and I knew that it was going to be quite nice for a little while. And then there was going to be a bit that was going to suck. And and yeah, it was it was steep and there's kanuka, which is very, very tight and uh, prickly and uh, <laughs> And yeah, so I, I went through that, but instead of being like, oh, you useless, useless, oh, you can't make it, oh, you should turn back there. I was just like, no, I said out loud, even like, you're, you're going well, you're doing this, just take your time, have a breather, it's going to be okay. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm now in this intense mode of being in a vulnerable position, and but. I can tap into my parasympathetic nervous system here. I can be considered. I can be. I can turn off my lizard brain. I can. I can be logical. I can be um, systematic in what I'm doing, and I can sort of, um, yeah, be happy with it and, and joyful and creative and explore and excited. So yeah, I think I think my uh, undergraduate with neuroscience, my optometry, the things I see each day with where. I, um, yeah, really drive, and then and then that's often how I observe situations. Is this, or is this fearful? Is this part of the sympathetic nervous system? What what's happening? Are they fleeing? Are they fighting? Are they freezing? You know, they're probably not fucking. But um, yeah. <laughs> or is this somebody that's in control? Yeah, that's, that's sort of how I've been seeing the world, and that's been re- being reinforced to me. Man, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, one thing that comes to mind is just this idea that I've been playing with like stress buffering. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's probably what you're doing, you know, and I'm trying to like, um, even in my research that I'm doing through my masters, it's like a big, a big, uh, kind of thing that comes up is you know that that parasympathetic system but you know i'm just kind of i want to take a broad stroke at it like you're trying to aim for that calm effect you know that mm-hmm. what is it what is it that can get you there um just a fun fact well not a fun fact but maybe a question fun question do you know what the opposite to fight or flee is uh rest and digest yeah i i love though that it takes us, say, it takes us a second. We've got the we got the fear, but right on point, right. But the opposite <laughs> side, it always. Uh, uh, hold on a minute. What is it? Yeah, and um, it's been interesting diving into both and um, actually realizing it's you know, uh, it is it's that love and hate. You know, it, it's there to protect you, but also to um, hate you. <laughs> You know, and 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 one of the things that's really been interesting is, um, well, I don't know. I'll run this idea past you because you know I've got lots of ideas, but I'm trying to get better at critically analysing them. I got this kind of concept that you know the, the auto system, if you like, the automate uh, autonomic system, that if it's kind of you know if your BMI and all that kind of stuff that we measure health is whack, 
you can pretty much guarantee that your autonomic system is not really functioning as it should be. Mm. You know, if you, if you example, if you, for example, you know, don't get enough exercise or you don't get enough stimulation outside or, you know, look long distances, then I would say uh, potentially the autonomic system is, you know, it's like a car that doesn't get a service, you know, it actually can't properly work. And so what's the ramifications of that? Well, if the auto system doesn't work, you can't properly rest and digest and you can't pro- properly um, fight or flee. In fact, you probably, remember the, did you ever have a car that would miss? So you'd be driving and, you know. Um, yes, that was my last car. Boom. 96 Primera. It was um, $1,000. And uh, I, was just, I was actually just telling the story of getting rid of that car. Um, it was a trade-in, so don't worry. I didn't sell it to anyone. Um, but um, it was, um, yeah, I had to get four new tyres. I had to get a crack in the windscreen fixed, which of course meant a whole new windscreen. And they took the windscreen off and there's rust under the windscreen. So then that was fix the rust, get the windscreen, get the tyres, get yet another warrant of fitness because it had been the 60 days. Don't worry about COVID happening, but, you know, it's been 60 days. You had plenty of time, mate. I'm like, you didn't know how long it took to get a windscreen? Yeah, anyway, that's been and gone. But, yeah, like that was one of those cars that would miss the, you know, the you'd lo- spark plugs would come loose, the battery would drain. and Dude, that's, a, think- that's exactly it. <laughs> that's the, and that's this that's this auto system I'm referring to, right? Because it's pretty crucial that let's take the car as our autonomic system that it's working. Because when you're on the motorway and other cars are now driving at you, you want your system to work, right? And I, I guess at, a, at its um, higher end of danger, uh, you know, you could be stranded. Uh, you might not be able to turn it on. And then you got the whole problems with um, you might get a flat tire. So everyone can kind of put their mind around that. And so I was thinking like, that's actually really fucked because we rely on this auto system or the car to, to work. And of course, the truth is, as we know in cars, that if you just drive it, you're going to kill it. You know? And I think that's what's happening to us. We're just driving this auto system basically into the ground and it's like, send it to the write-off mill, you know? And and mm. I, th- I think extrapolating that out, well, that's what we're doing. You know, we're kind of like, look at the suicide stats, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's pretty gnarly to get to that place. So I was like, okay, well, what do you do? What do you do? Okay, well, what do you do when you break down? Well, you don't try and fix jack shit. You call a mechanic, right? Yeah. And so maybe that can be our health professionals, but there is some things we can do. You know, we do a jump start. All right. So that's like taking manual mode. So in that manual mode is where I've started thinking. These are those kind of primal secret things again, you know, where you can influence through your breathing. You can go outside and look at nice things. You can give yourself nice feedback loops. You can do breath holding stuff, all this type of stuff. But we don't do it. We just continue to sit on our computers and do whatever we do and run this auto system into the ground. So, um, yeah, that's what I've been exploring is like, well, what if you go into manual mode, what are the top things you can do, you know? Yeah. I, I'm sort of thinking like systemly interrupting, you know, and that's what you do when you're um – when your computer program starts taking a wrong turn and starts, I don't, I don't understand computers, but I just realized that the com- the computer pathway and whatever it's doing has taken a wrong turn. So the 
computation's not working out properly, so it's stuck. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You system interrupt. You control, delete, you reset. Exactly. Like, and both you and I are in, into that cold exposure. And fuck, that's a that's a system interrupt. Like, even even if you're there in a contr- controlled environment, like um, I've, I've been with Nigel Beach a few times, and you know he's saying you know get that big long breath before you get in the water, and then just get straight in, and then focus on the breath, mm. and you know control it. But that 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 that's a that's an interrupt because even though you've you've done the breath, you've recruited that parasympathetic nervous system, you've jumped in, your body goes, oh my god, and then you've got to really focus and hone in. It's like, no, we're running the program. We're running the program. We're boosting up. We're coming on. We're coming on board. We're coming online. And then you get out of there and you go, right, I'm humming. I'm, I'm, I'm vibing. I'm, I'm ready to go mm. as opposed, as opposed to um, not being ready to go. Cause I've just exactly. done a quick, quick control or delete on, on my system. And it's, it's humming again. And I think, yeah, it's very primal, like you were saying. That's yeah. a good good descriptor for it. I like it a lot. Mm, well, yeah, there we go. That's that's kind of one of my many talents. Come up with awesome names that never don't do anything with them. But um, <laughs> yeah. nah, nah. Yeah. 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 Have you watched The Love Guru, man? Yes. Yeah, so Marishka Hagate, TM. That's, that's, that can be what you can start doing. Exactly. <laughs> Primal Secrets, TM. TM. Primal Secrets. DM me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, look, it's interesting. It's interesting to kind of dabble with it. Like you're talking about like it, lots of people, it's probably pushed me to do a bit more study into it because, you know, I kind of got into the slow nasal breathing and then everyone was like, well, what's, what does that mean for Wim Hof and all of that stuff, right? And mm-hmm. as I've come to realize, they're just two ends well, they're just the po- the the opposite ends, you know. Mm-hmm. One specialises in activating you and um, you know boosting that adrenaline through, um, you know, putting you in that uh, sympathetic zone, and the other specialises. You know, it's so logical. Actually, it's so logical. You know, breathe quickly. You can increase your heart rate. You know, you hyperventilate. I mean, people know that. People feel it all the time. Um, breathe slowly and calm your heart rate, calm yourself down. And it's actually beautiful. It's beautifully simple. It's beautifully simple as as I've come to see and learn. In fact, so much so that I went down this deep rabbit hole, man, where I was getting so frustrated because here's what I kept hearing. Do a longer exhale and it makes you more calm. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll be like, Why? You know, and uh, oh, because you know, that's just how we do it. We do a shorter inhale and a longer exhale. It's like yoga breathing and all this stuff. But my question was, why specifically? Why not just do an even inhale, even exhale, you know, like an equilibrium breathing or the the maneuver breathing or the five in, five out, something like that? That's great for heart rate variability, all of that stuff. Yeah, that's good too. But if you slightly extend the exhale, so it took me like a month of you know, basically trawling through lots of different things. And um, actually the answer was with Professor Andrew Huberman, which is a- You've uh, read my mind, man. Yeah, good. I was just thinking, I I saw Andrew Huberman talking to Aubrey Marcus the other day. That's right. And he talks about that. And I I went through and I found another lecture, which he gave specifically for uh, graduates of um, Stanford. And he goes really deep into the science, but maybe you want to talk us through that. 
No, because I, I didn't watch it. I just saw it. Oh, that's, oh, that's, oh. What, that's what I was going to prompt you with, so you ah, read my mind. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, well, the, the reason is is because, uh, well, when we, um, and this is a cool one, inhalate, um, sorry, in, inspire is the actual medical word for breathe in. And I love that. How fucking cool is that? Inspire and exhale. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And so when you inhale, uh, your diaphragm moves down and your heart has slightly more room. So it expands gently and it can let more blood through. And so when it lets more blood through, the heart speeds up. When your diaphragm contracts, it gently hugs or squeezes the heart, which means the blood starts squirting through and the feedback loop back to the brain says slow it down. So as you breathe out slowly and longer, your diaphragm is stays up in that position and it starts sending more feedback saying slow down, the blood's squirting through, we don't have enough room. And I'm like, fuck, that makes so much sense because it literally doesn't have enough room, so it has to slow it down. It's nothing else than all about sharing resource. And so you can like hack it by simply breathing out longer. So, you know, he was basically saying, if your inhales are longer and your exhales are shorter, you'll put yourself in a um, Wim Hof, Tumo breathing, you know? So mm. that if you think about how Wim Hof does it, that he doesn't care about the exhale. It's just a release. Breathe in, release, you know? It's not there breathe in, breathe out, you know? It's not like that. It's the... <sighs> You know, it's all about that inhale. So, bring the bring more room to the heart. Contract it up. Bring more room, and then the other side of that is breathe softly in, longer out. And I was just like, great. I basically now know what I was looking for for a month. So it's now up to all of us to kind of, or you know, those who find it interesting, and I find it really interesting, is like. What's the perfect perfect breathing method to um, calm someone down? You know, and and back to Andrew Huberman again. He he talks a lot. You would have heard this that physiological sigh. You heard about that? Mm, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and and that was that uh, was the bit I did watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So talk, you know, going through that when you're shallow breathing, <laughs> you know, all or not breathing kind of deep enough, your little alveoli and your lungs can collapse. And so that first kind of breath, you know, chased by a second breath, so something like that second punch in expands all of your million little kind of air pockets in there. And then it's like your body can actually get ready, you know, it can process what's happening. And then the longer exhale um, is where all the magic happens. So, yeah, look, plenty of work uh, for me to explore this. Um, got Professor Grant Schofield and I on the case. Um, I mean, you know me, bro. I don't just stop there. I'm like, I want to chuck some hypnosis into that. And so I want to do these breathing techniques whilst going down this journey of like, what can we turn on and off in the brain, you know, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, I don't care if it sounds crazy because it's like clinically people do go to hypnosis to support, you know, with like turning off that, that voice, you know, the one that says you can't do it. And I mean, the fact that there is a voice that says you can't do it is fucking crazier than being hypnotized. The fact Mate. that, you, you know, yeah, sorry, you finish. No, no, I was just going to say the fact that you can walk through the bush and you're talking to yourself saying, asshole, you're not supposed to be here. What the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that you can actually say out loud, no, nah, man, you're doing good. Just keep on going. Yeah, yeah. 
No, mate, I was just about to say, like, um, those two podcasts that you didn't release before COVID was all about blowing people's minds and then you kind of thought, well, this is a pretty mind-blowing experience. Maybe we should just calm their minds a little bit. Yeah. And um, now we're back on blowing blowing minds. You are blowing my mind right now. I, this, As I said at the start, this is, you know, we've, we've tried to jack this up week on week on week and now we're doing it and now this is the week where all of the stuff you're talking about has, I've, I've had a very synergistic week and we're now having a conversation about it. So like on Tuesday, I went to a yoga class, the first yoga class I've been to in ages. And um, the instructor was sort of going on about what, what she was into. And then she kind of sideways glanced at us all that she does some Kundalini um, yoga as well. And I was going, mean. <laughs> and so it, it was she she was almost nervous to tell us that we're going to do some kundalini today and of course the when she's describing this like these you know a little bit like that a physiological side like we're going to go like you know and she did some massive arm movements and then you're like bending over at the hips as well doing a hip hinge and like and we're going to do that five minutes <laughs> you're just kind of going yeah Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and then, so we had these very powerful experiences. And then, with 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 that, you then just sort of just standing there with your eyes closed, letting the euphoria roll over you. And it's like, oh, this is cool. And then we sat down and, and did. Um, uh, a, oh, I, I was only there one class, so like a a, a, voc- a vocal meditation, and that was the long out out breath disguised with the um. Just keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, and then oh, I now need to breathe. <gasps> and you know, it's it's ancient primal, all, that, all those things things you're talking about. Hundred percent. And and then and then it was funny you were saying about how like, well, what's the best thing for someone to slow their breath, someone to calm down? You know, we've got all these types of breath breath work. They're all their own little tools in themselves. They all have their purpose. But when you're trying to calm down, maybe don't go and do a Wim Hof breath hold and jack jack yourself up a little bit more. If you're, exactly. You know. You know. And it was it was the same conversation I had last night about sauna, and we were sort of talking about all these beautiful benefits of it. And then was, then we're talking about, you know, it's kind of the good thing if you've got a hangover because maybe you might. Leak out all the toxins, and we're like, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. You're dehydrated, and you're going to go dehydrate yourself because we, that, that we kind of our circular logic was, well, surely too much sauna is bad for you. And we're like, probably. It's it's a hormetic stress. Um, if you're stressing yourself out and you're already stressed, maybe don't do a sauna. If you're dehydrated and you're going to do a sauna, you're going to get more dehydrated. Part of your problem of being hungover is you're dehydrated. You know, you, <laughs> so don't be go do that. And it was like, well, if in a in a sort of performance mindset, I'm doing saunas for my performance, for my recovery, for my growth hormone, for my brain, drive neurotrophic effect, all the things that Ron Patrick says, but you're not drinking water, you're not replacing your electrolytes, you're not eating well, well, then you're creating stress. <laughs> so Exactly. I think I think I think that's another cool thing about these. You're interrupting your system, but you're also, you know, 
doing it with slapping yourself in the face in a way. Exactly. Well, don't keep slapping yourself in the face. You've got a red bruised face. Exactly. Exactly. Unless that's what you want. Unless you've been watching too much Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was thinking nineteen sixties um, melodramas. Step out of it, man. Come on, Bruce. Um, yeah. well, I guess the question you are really saying is that's missing maybe in these decision makings is the why, you know, why, why do you want to go in the sauna? Well, you know, um, good question to ask. Uh, I guess it's like, well, why, why do you need the car to drive? Because I need to get here. (laughs) Well, if you haven't put any gas in it, then, you know, or oil, oil's the big one, eh? You know, don't put oil in your car and see what happens. You know, you, you just, you break it. And I think that's the thing too. Like you've just kind of, put toxins in your body so you can, you know, have a series of good times up here, meaning boozing it up. And then you're about to go in and actually probably turn the acute stress into a chronic stress. You know, you might push your um, uh, immune system over the edge. Um, The other thing I think is really interesting that a lot of people, again, back to this balance thing, back to basics you know we set up a sauna at our new place because it was my wife's dream she's german to always have a sauna so um shout out to hardy the austrian who set it up just saying yeah. full-on full-on beautiful sauna under 5k so don't get tricked into buying those barrel things and you know 10 15 no um you're looking at champion saunas as um you can google his hardy he talks like arnold he's like hi will how are you and I'm like, Man, I, got followed, I got I got followed by a sauna coming today. This is really weird. Oh, dude. Maybe you're, <laughs> maybe you're are you on ayahuasca? <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm uh, this is, my simulation's lining up real fast today. <laughs> if we're in a simulation, why aren't we the billionaires? Um, <laughs> no, fuck. Yeah, damn it, damn it. That's a, hey, just on that point. I always thought it was weird how, you know, in the matrix, if you realized yeah. you're in the matrix, you could be anything you want. Yeah. Um, Feel stink for the homeless guy on Matrix because it's hard enough being homeless in this world. You're homeless in a simulation. Yeah. So not only are they leeching off you, the machines, but you're the homeless guy. I'm like, you know, rough. That's rough. Um, Yeah, man. Look, uh, plenty of interesting stuff there, eh? Just to dabble with. And I guess one of the things that I really does make me feel hopeful is that. Like we're, we're, this isn't so weird to talk about anymore, you know, Mm. like I don't think, you know, and, and actually I, I do want to become someone who can explain to people who don't quite understand why go to yoga, you know, because I think it's kind of gets a little bit of a hard rap where, um, take, take example, for example, the, the humming or whatever you were doing, like, Mm. um, I was confused about that too. I was like, "Why hum? What, what's with the <laughs> what's with this? You know, the hum and the everything else kind of makes sense." But I realised that, like in that science realm, that's really good for like uh, the gas exchange in your sinuses of that nitric yeah. oxide, and and that humming gets released by this vibration, and so. Um, and you're creating harmonics in those sinuses and, and those little uh, vascular nervous interfaces in your olfactory, you know, it's close, you know, always talking about pineal gland. Mm. It's one of the chakras in, in, um, in yogi practice as it's well. third eye, is it? Yeah. 
yeah, in, this, that's another paradigm in the same thing. Yeah, you know, it's like third eye, pituitary gland, mm-hmm. some one of the chakras. I don't know the chakras, but I just know that's their name. And there's one there. But um, yeah, like again, you're creating this um, harmonic within this massive chamber that's in behind our eyes and in behind our nose. And yeah, it's getting blood flows, getting nervous flow, and then you feel good. So mm-hmm. just kind of like. You just got to like go after that stuff, eh? Because it makes you realize that um, we don't know jack shit. I mean, we actually do know, we know heaps of shit. I just think <laughs> we, we forget the main shit, you know, like we turn these things into rituals. Like I was, I was learning a bit about the hungi, you know, the connection, the breath yep. through the nose. And actually in the Pacific, which I have a particular interest in because my read on it is that all of that ancient knowledge, you know, Moana and all of those films, what they're made of is all forgotten. You know, mm-hmm. actually the people who I'm seeking to offer some of this um, research to, they're playing in this Western game now, you know, which actually, you know, you might have some ritualistic things that come through like, you know, Hongi and stuff like that. But actually that was uh, back uh, through Hawaii and stuff like that. Like people would um, do the Hongi so that their, their third eye, their, you know, this area connected and there was seen to be a transfer of knowledge, you know, and I thought about it like Wi-Fi or something. Like it's not weird <laughs> that we can put our phone on a thing and it charges it, right? I mean, it's more weird that we can do that than actually a connection because we do know that, you know, when we hug and babies need affection, you know, we all need affection. Yeah. We like a hug. Um, we talked about how the diaphragm hugs the heart, you know, so it's not weird to really think that, who knows what gets transferred when you touch foreheads? I mean, it seems weird, but there is a language we're missing, eh? You know, uh, yeah. and it's hard to describe exactly what that is. Maybe it's a chemical one. Um, maybe uh, in fifty years we'll realize that um, you know you had to. You, we're so screwed up because you didn't. I don't know. Maybe it's Wim Hof talks about it like this deep DNA that we have to our ancestors, you know, and we carry things through um, our genetics. And um, I mean, I kind of think that's not so weird to say. So why would it be weird to say you could pass things on through um, more than just vocal? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was watching my little puppy dog. I take him for walks every day and. Like when he's walking along sniffing, it's like he's reading something. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, oh shit, that's a good article, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we just like got this chain oh, around page. him. <laughs> hurry up, hurry up, dog. But, you know, they really pull on you because they want to, what, just let me get to the end of this little bit here, you know? And mm-hmm. I think this must be like a transfer, but who knows, you know, it's just this whole other language. Mate, I, I had something this this week. It was on Monday that um, was quite confrontational to me. Um, so I've had a little bit of feedback of late um, from a couple of patients saying that I've come across as arrogant. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And they've put it down to body language. And, and of course, oh, of course, um, the thing that we learned last week in this in this training was that's about uh, 55% of communication is body language. And I was like, I oh, yeah, did a little bit of uh, Googling and crossed arms 
leaning back is one of the key arrogant uh, body languages. So I was like, oh, I need to change that, that one. And um, so, yeah, that's you know, learning experiences. But then the real kicker that sort of landed with me is like, ah, I know what I've done wrong well, in this situation is, uh, and you said it before, you know, asking why, why, you know. Mm-hmm. And this uh, facilitator said that actually when it comes to building a rapport, the question why puts someone on the back foot and jumps them up. So they've done MRIs and asked people why questions and that causes a system interrupt and there's a delay. And that delay is just enough time for your limbic system to go, nah, fuck you. (laughs) Or, nah, let's get out of here. Um, Whereas the how, what, when, where questions, uh, what was it, four four bums on a seat, um, what, where, why, when, and how, um, are just really easy to answer, Mm. you know? What did you, um, what colour is your microphone? Um, Where are you sitting? You didn't say, yeah, but if you said, why did you buy that microphone? Yeah. You'd be like, oh, why, why? Is it it not good enough? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so I've always always been asking these people, why have you come in today? Mm. And it does provoke a really, no, it doesn't actually. It doesn't provoke a, Good answer. And I was, I was sort of going, I, I come from like being really inspired by Simon Sinek because asking why and sitting with it means that you have to let all those things flood over you and then go back to your prefrontal cortex and, and, and go deep and, and it creates a deep question. Like that's, that's why you also love the why question because the why question is very deep. Mm. But when someone's just walked into the room and you're going, why have you come in today? And they're like, well, fuck, someone told me to. <laughs> I have to get my eyes checked. <laughs> and it's like, ah. And so just this week, I've just started going to, what brought you in today? And da, 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 da. Wow, what a good insight. It's like, it's like oh, that's, that's amazing. Insight. And see. Insight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, the other thing too about body language is, you know, I realized that when I was directing live television that people would say, your face looks grumpy. And I'll be like, yeah, because I'm concentrating. And I had read that when you're concentrating, you can't do... I can't make make my dimple come out, you know? (laughs) I can't, you know... Look, um, and maybe some are better than others. I know I developed very early a way to try and be super aware of me because I was a lot bigger than most people. So I had to kind of, and I wasn't bigger. Yeah, that was what, like, that was what my boss boss gave me feedback. It's like, you got to remember, Ryan, you're a big bloke. And I'm like, oh, God. yeah. And, and I've, and again, I have this imposter syndrome. I've got this perspective of hanging around with swimmers, rowers, and rugby players, mm-hmm. you know, lock forwards. I'm not a big bloke. You're talking about. <laughs> but I'm just on, six foot. <laughs> exactly. But you're big, all right? Calm down. You're huge. You're a giant. But um, you also may be just focused in on trying to get the best for them. So it yes. might be that you're actually zoomed in on them, right? Where you're, you're really watching them and they're kind of like, oh, gosh, this guy's a bit hard out. <laughs> yeah. but, but actually it's like, well, 
imagine if you were just kind of fucking around and looking everywhere else but them. So here's the thing, man, that voice that's coming at you and um, you probably don't realize that there's 70 other people who will say top man made me feel comfortable, but yeah. you know, it is that bias towards getting that one or two, like the comments of YouTube. Eh? Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. And it, and it was funny because you know, we do this thing at work, there's the fish awards and like, so my boss talked to me on the Wednesday and then on the Monday I got a fish award because we'd had given this person a fantastic customer experience. And I was just, I was like, ah, oh, you can't, you can't please everybody. <laughs> and yeah, it's right. It, exactly that. The YouTube comments say, hey, it's just that one stinger and the one person that uh, had, had a, had a, you know, limbic enough experience to go, you know what? I'm going to get this one. Whereas everyone else has gone, Oh, that was pleasant. Next video. <laughs> <laughs> that's it man that's the balance of life that we just you were, think when you're on youtube you're like in a, a sort of a zen like oh good and the next video automatically reloads mm. you're not gonna like just like break that spell and go fantastic video very good keep it going next video <laughs> <laughs> you might miss the next one that's coming in you might be <laughs> typing in the next video starts oh damn it <laughs> Um, what's that I was going to say but when you're angry you're like fuck this <laughs> you just took us down the meaning of life bro what's that like when, when you're in Z and flow you just you just cruise along YouTube is the meaning of life you know it's like <laughs> it's got the whole system there there's there's everything you can imagine. There's more content, you know, uh, than you could ever get through. There's comments. There's there's everything, you know, and mm. it's um it's good and bad for you. Hey, right. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something about um vision. So I have read somewhere that if you want to build um if you want to buffer stress, then you're supposed to practice. Uh, let's say calm techniques whilst you're in the fire, you know? So something mm-hmm. like slow breathing, controlled breathing whilst you're in the cold water. Um, uh, but one of the things that was particularly interesting was how we use our peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what's the opposite to that? Really zoomed in or um, tunnel, tunnel t- vision, man. T- tunnel vision, true that. There we go. Mm-hmm. So, can you talk to me about peripheral vision and tunnel vision and, you know, kind of like, as far as I know, uh, peripheral vision would be that you can, you know, see what's around you, mm. uh, kind of, you know, I'm looking at you, but I can see a curtain over here. Like if I try hard, I can see over there. Is it something that we can get better at or do, do we all have the same peripheral vision? No. Um and we can so we can't really improve our reactivity to things and we can't we can be but we can expand our level of awareness um so there's a there's a thing called the tachistoscope freaking names and it like (laughs) flashes up numbers and First five in the All Blacks will be able to tell you eight of them. You know, just Joe Joe Bloggs um, might be able to see four or, or three. You can't train that. 
But okay, so are you saying that like like a Dan Carter just naturally has a wider view? No, uh, he has a like a f- fast recognition. So, so the statistoscope is a, a flash with a series of numbers, and he'll he'll be able to go. Oh, yeah, that was seven, eight, six, four, twelve. Uh, What's that useful for? Like that, so that's for that ability to recognize a situation as it unfolds. Okay. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he can he can see what's in front of him and recognize it fast. So that processing happens fast and be more relaxed. And so therefore he's ease out his his peripheral view. So that's where the, the tunnel vision thing is amazing. And like I'm I'm lucky that I I have experienced it in a couple of ways. So I've I've been in a boxing match. Thankfully it was a boxing match and not fights and have the experience of extreme tunnel vision and then go and do some training and it and have less tunnel vision at the start of the round and then get more comfortable with more rounds and expand that and start to hear the corner, start to see the crowd, start to experience things around me. So I, I know that acutely. And then playing rugby, go from playing what's in front of you as a forward to then using tools of um, mental mapping. So like that's any, any first five or actually any position, I would suggest and this is rugby specific, but before the play action, so say a line out or a scrum, actually take in where everyone's standing and your peripheral vision will start mapping it. And the, the player will be amazed at how much more awareness they had without seeing it because your peripheral vision is actually not actually good vision. Um, when someone has macular degeneration, so the middle of the of their retina has dissolved. They've had a buildup of toxin under the retina and that toxin's damaged those cells that react to light. And so they can no longer start the sequence that allows you to see. So they basically have a hole in their vision. What we encourage them to do is to look to the side of the thing that they're directed at so that their peripheral or paramacular um, area is seeing there. And so the best acuity you hear about 2020 vision, or if we're metric, we're talking about 66 vision. It goes from 66 to 634, so or 36, sorry, so um, times larger in the in the space of a, a a tiny amount. And then you get out to your peripheral vision, and you're like looking at like 6100, so really, you know, massive, massively less acute. And then another thing with the peripheral vision, and I don't know if you've seen this on Andrew Huberman, but he showed a, a section through the occipital lobe, so where your visual cortex is, and it was this sort of carbon copy of, have you had an eye exam when they've showed you a retinal photo? Maybe. Okay, so in the retinal photo, there's, there's the optic nerve to the side, and this sort of, it's called an arcade, so a sort of, Half, half moon one way of blood vessels and half moon underneath of blood vessels that go around the macula. And then they sort of do that the same way out to the, the nose side of the eye. So there's a carbon copy of that in the visual system. And so I've, I've started saying that to some of the kids, like you're, when I put you on the microscope and we've got the lights down and I've got this thin beam of light and I'm looking around the periphery, you're going to see shadows of those blood vessels. 
because I've taken away your central awareness. It's dark. And I've got this really intense bright light on the periphery and your brain's going, oh, what's this gap in my vision? Yeah. But if we were, you had really good acuity and sharpness in our peripheral vision, if we were really honed into the detail of our peripheral vision, it'd be pretty distracting having this big um, arcade of, of like a, a tree branch in, in our vision all the time. So we, our brain really focuses on that real central part for acuity, for detail, for reading, for facial recognition, and then has this general map in the periphery. So it's, it's, it's not good vision, but we can train our awareness and exactly what you're saying there we've got to um be calm enough to worry about the periphery and or you know to 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 take our attention away from that center Mm. and then the trick above that is to do the two things at the same time so be like dan carter and recognize that thing really fast but also worry about that guy that's going to blindside us and step out of the way and carry on going like he does. Wow. Okay. Okay. So let's, can I stay on this point for a bit? So is it fair to say in a stressed environment, we go into tunnel vision? That's a, that's yeah. a, a sympathetic response. Yeah. And, and is that so we can focus in on what's just in front of us? Because that's probably where the immediate danger is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like a lion's coming at you. You're not worried about the curtains at the moment. I'm looking at this <laughs> big cat running at me. And yeah. and and that's one of those automatic systems. Eh? Like it'll happen really quick. I mean, do our eyes do that? You know, if we're on the motorway, for example, we probably don't have a very good um, peripheral vision. Yeah. And so we're actually doing a number of what are called saccades. So things in our periphery are grabbing our attention and our eyes are flicking. So we're trying, we're constantly placing that macula on the piece we want to know. And we and when we have checked it out, our peripheral vision is following that. So um, if you kind of think about it like a projector and then things are kind of creating shadows through the projector and that's their relative position. Um, and then you've, um, so, well, it's not even a projector, it's, it's a sampler. So you've got all these, say you've got like a grid pattern, you've got really, really tight, high pixelated grids in the middle and larger grids in the outside. So those larger grids are, are good at knowing when things have changed, when things have moved. The ones in the middle are really good at getting the detail. Yeah. When we're doing that, is it, sapping energy from us is it energy uh, like like for example you know one of the ideas i've got is hop in the cold water and pick a point focus on it and don't move from it because i'm not asking my eyes to you know what's that what's that what's that what's that and then look in my peripheral i guess what i'm saying is See, I'm, I've picked the point now and i'm staring at it and i can see the fan over there will that be using as much energy or, you know, like mental stimulation as it would be if I'm having to, you know, quickly analyze what's around me. Yeah. I think that's more, more efficient. Mm. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're worried about the details of everything, that's, that's high energy. So your macular representation in your visual cortex, in your visual cortex is quite large relative to the peripheral representation. So the area of brain that's taken up by your central vision relative to the area 
of your retina that's taken up by your central vision is like they're completely opposite. So right. the most the most is taken up by the central vision. So the most neural energy, the most neural firing, the most yeah um, importance is that center and releases out to to those wider areas. So yeah, that's more energy efficient. But then that that overall integration thing. So one of one of our sort of visual tasks for kids to try and improve, especially if they're having trouble getting across a line and then back to the start of the line, you know, we take away the book because they're already angry and stressed out by the book. So we try and do things that are visually based, you know, back to basics, back to foundations and improve on that. So like I'm looking at your your head there in the screen and I'm aware, yeah, <laughs> and I'm aware of, of me sitting up in the corner. I'm aware of the four corners of my screen. I'm now aware of the door behind it that my towel is hanging. I can see my, my bed head over there. I can see my cupboard to my right. I can see I can even see my hands out here. I can see the, the, the things on the table. But when you actually think about it, that's not clear. And then now when you are actually looking at me, but being aware of the periphery, you'll notice that you also soft focus me. Okay. So if you take your attention to those things out there, you lose the attention of that center. It's, it's buzzy. It's fuzzy. And so that's, that's probably in terms of like trying to relax your vision in the, in the um, ice bath, go into that periphery, allows you to sort of be in that soft focus. So just like blank, blank stare, I guess it is. Mm, mm. Um, and again, that's, that's relaxing. I love on the, that. on the, yeah, on the counter, we get, we get a lot of kids that are highly sort of anxious. So their sympathetic tone is really high. So when I check their pupils, they'll constrict and then dilate straight away, even though I'm shining a bright light in their eye. Just okay. say constrict and dilate. Just tell me what that is again. So constrict is when you shine a bright light in, into the pupil, you should see both pupils constrict to so get smaller. Yeah. Yeah. So they should go from a diameter of about eight or nine. And usually if they're quite anxious, they'll be up there at that nine, ten, like massive um, uh, te- teardrop eyes. Is that what it's called? I can't yeah. remember. Like, like big, big people. Puss and yeah. boots. Yeah, 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 big eyes. And then the people will constrict down to sometimes only down to like a six, but they might go all the way down to to a two and then straight away release again. So the that that tells me that there's too much sympathetic tone. The the mus the these longitudinal muscles in that iris that are working um sort of radially out from the pupil are in more tension. They're wanting to constrict and pull the pupil open than the sphincter muscle, which is parasympathetic in the eyeball. And that's the same. That's the same in the muscle that surrounds your lens in your eye. When we're young, our lens is nice and flexible. Okay. So when tension goes off that lens, so the muscle constricts, it narrows the space around the lens the tension on that lens is released and it's bouncy, so it rounds up like a balloon. So it's like you've stretched a balloon and then you've let it go and it goes more like a ball. Mm. And that ball gives you the power to see up close. As we get older, we get less flexible in our lens. That's why we start to need reading glasses because right. we can no longer no longer compensate for that near vision. But like um, I had a wee boy that I saw, not even wee, 12-year-old boy that I saw a month ago. He had 
the vision of about um, six times three. Yeah, so he had about the vision of a, of a 24-year-old. He saw that colleague, Mark, um, yesterday, and he was gone in the space of a month, getting to the end of end of term. He was getting real sick of reading. It was obvious because he had like the vision, of the accommodation, the ability to focus of like a forty four year old. Um, it was it was incredible. And the same same thing happened um, a month back. I had had, had a patient that had been um, for egg donation, so she had a cocktail of drugs. You know, quite an intense and and. You know, the bot, even though she might have been feeling good about it and excited about the situation, her body went through an invasive procedure. It was who was scared? You know, she she wasn't. She was great, but her pupils were gigantic, and she had the folk. I sort of said to her, yeah, she was like, I can't read of Pyromantes plus one glasses, and you know they're helping, um, but I can't read. And I said, Oh, joking me. I said, Oh, that's what it's like to be forty-five. And then I measured her vision. I was like, Actually, you're fifty-five today. Just oh. pity. And and yeah, so I sort of said to her, you know, this is this should. She hasn't come back, so it must have. Um, this should resolve itself over the next two weeks as your body unwinds from that procedure, unwinds from those cocktails of drugs and and relaxes out. And the same right. for those yeah, the same for those kids that are just so tense that they can't engage that that focus. They can't get over that fight or flight situation. They can't you think about and this goes to that peripheral vision. You think about the task of reading, you need to block out the whole world. That's not a very safe place to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you've got to go to wherever it is in your brain that does that creative story and takes you into, into this whole different world, takes you through the wardrobe of Narnia, mm. you know, takes you down the rabbit hole of Wonderland. Is that where she goes? Alice in Wonderland? Yeah. Um, you know, you've, you're, you're no longer sitting in that chair. You are so vulnerable. But if you're too worried, you're too anxious, you're, you're, your sympathetic nervous system is too jacked up, how are you supposed to go into that space? Mm. And so, oddly enough, it's, it's quite a one of, one of the fun things that I do when I'm testing how close can you focus Sometimes if it's not that bad, I'll get the child to do that. Just do a big out breath for me, mm. and then I'll get get a couple more units of focus out of them. Like wow. it's, it is, it is, it is that amazing, and, and and you do observe those things. So, if yeah. um, if would it be fair to say, you know, that breathing pattern that I'm talking about, you know, and adding in some humming and stuff like that, would you be able to test in someone's eyes to see if they're more relaxed? Well, yeah, I've I've done it. I've, oh, cool. I've, so the the thing we've got is called an RAF ruler. So there's a, a little piece that sits across the nose, and then there's a long beam out there, and then there's a little card that sits on the beam, and you slide the beam closer to them. And then, so um, the units of focus are the inverse of the distance. So if someone is plus one, they're able to focus a meter away. Um, if they're getting 10 units, they're able to focus to 10 centimeters. Yeah. And so along this ruler, there's there's the relative focal points. And then there's a sort of an age equivalency up to about um, that 45 zone where mm. we don't really have enough oomph anymore. Yep. And so that's why you need reading glasses. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that's where we get those those relative ages of, you know, the lady I sort of said, you know, it's like being 45. Oh, no, it's like being 55. <laughs> oh, yeah. dude. 
it's it's kind of blowing my mind because I found some um, um, some research from that showed ancient Pacific uh, peripheral um, exercises, right? Where they mm-hmm. basically put both hands up, mm. and look through, and look through it, and then move back to looking outside of it, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I've been kind of just like thinking to myself, yeah, the fact that we can change our focus must be for a reason. Obviously it is, but like, I guess where I'm thinking now, man, and maybe we can talk more offline. Um, how, how do, if I don't have all the fancier gear you've got, how do I do this with myself and others to say, look, you this is the this is actual calm in action, right? Or calm on demand, as I'm trying to coin it, because that's the problem, fear, anxiety. They're obvious, you know. Come on, motherfucker, let's go, you know, and it's re- you're yeah. ready. But it ain't so obvious what that's doing, you know? And for those listening, it's like just that kind of meditative zone. You know, the hum, it doesn't seem like it's doing anything. And I think if I can influence, you know, to show you that your heartbeat comes down in three or four breaths of doing this thing with me, I think if I can Mm. show you that, just so you know, you wouldn't be able to do this if you're in a stressed zone with your vision, you know? Is there anything that... that, that I I think think like a lot of those wearables are starting starting to sort of... And that's why I think partly why this conversation is less woo-woo already because we're because of wearables. Um, like there's not, not edibles. Yeah, not edibles, wearables. Um, Fitbits, you know, um, aura rings, whoop straps. Um, there's a thing called heart math. So that's like listening to some music, um, wearing a heart rate monitor, doing some breathing work, having some good, you know, good voice going on, having some good thoughts and trying to manipulate your heart rate. You know, mm. things, things like things like that, again, uh, that's, but again, what you said is like, how do we go back to basics and just have this straight up converse, conversation? Like, yeah, I've, I've kind of missed, missed the mark with your question because I'm talking about like, well, there's this, oh. yeah, there's this stuff that supports it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. How, how do we, how do we, how do we have the conversation in the pub yep. of, mate, you're a bit, you're a bit, um, you know, you've, you've, you're giving off anxious vibes. What's going on? And you're now I'm good, mate. Like, well, you know, how can how can we just you know do that, side? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, like one of the ways, and I just put this little thing on here. So I don't know if you can can you see it? Oh yeah, yeah, oxygenator. So I don't know if you can see it. It's not very clear. Yeah, 98, 98, and then seventy nine. Okay, so so I'll show you the so like a the thing that I've been thinking about is a measurable. Um, um, uh, what is it called? Like a uh, a measurable effect, right? Yeah. And yep. and so with this, I don't know, what's the, my um, heart rate currently at? Ninety eight. Okay. Ninety eight. No, seventy nine. Seventy nine. Right. Uh, yeah. The bottom one. Okay. So let's. I'll, I'll do the breathing, and we'll see. Like a measurable. So it should be that this would be. I know I'm on the spot, so it's a slightly sympathetic zone, right? Yep. So I have to see if I can override that. Okay, so I've already gone up to like 84, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so um, just bear with me uh, for those listening, but I'll I'll see if I can do it in real time. Probably, uh, you can't see it, but anyway, I'll leave it here so you know there's no fuckery. So, uh, okay. (laughs) 
you're down to 79 now. still going up um I, I know i know what kind of happens too is that i think my arms up so i can feel i'm aware you know my body's yeah. like hey you're not actually relaxing but that's the thing right there's so many variables you did you did, you did get you did get a, a drop but then then you went back up again yeah yeah so <laughs> so you know there's still work to do in these kind of realms but even if you put that down to like oh that would be in the zone of buffer building you know um getting in the cold is like what that is you know you're on the spot now prove it prove it go do it do it do it mm. and of course that's where um you know it doesn't matter how many good techniques you've got if you didn't do your hours of ultra training you jack shit when you go to training right so those could be little training moments but uh you have a think about how i might um be able to do that with vision because you know Again, vision is probably an autonomic response too, right? When you shine the light in, I'm not telling my eye to do anything. Yeah. It's doing it itself. So it's probably- I'm, a- I'm, I'm observing your state. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. It'd be great, good too to like, you know, maybe that's where like, um, you know, apps and that are measuring everything. Are there apps that measure the eye? To that's, that's kind of one of the ones that they want to get for concussion. So whether it's pupil reflex like that, or just eye tracking, like mm. is there is there an objective measure? So say for example, a football team all come in and they do the test at the start of the season. Um, if there's a suspected head knock, they've got to go in this machine and it, they've got to do these saccadic movements and eye tracking movements and, and how fluent and how um, so the things with with um, smooth pursuit so tracking is that movement smooth and is it accurate and then with with the um saccade so those point to point movements are they hitting the spot with accuracy or are they sort of landing a bit early and sliding into it or are they overshooting and sliding on back or or are they even going sort of either side of the point and just kind of hoping like how that it ends up so if there was a ob- objective at the start of the season baseline, and then you could chuck chuck a headset on everyone at the end of end of a game and um, go, oh, review the tape. Oh, you got a knock there. Mm. But you know that the the whole controversy around the head knock thing is because these people are professionals and they're playing and they're playing for their livelihood and them them playing or or the the team star player playing results in the outcome at the end of the day results in the success of the individual success of the team the payday of the the team payday over the individual so that's that's part of the the controversy of of this thing it's what the what everyone signed up for in the name of entertainment in the name of glory and then you know in the name of probably our egos but um at the same time it's potentially given us brain damage and as someone who's had a bad concussion yeah i'm a little bit aware of that 
probably giving myself some brain damage for club rugby. And we were having a, we were having a yarn the other day at the cricket. You know, um, we're sort of saying about you know our mate plays third division club rugby, and we're like in the states you play high school football. Don't get in the college team. Stop playing football. Play college football. Don't get in the NFL. Stop playing football. In New Zealand, we've, we've got people playing third, third division every weekend. They love it, you know, which is awesome. But they're also doing a dangerous game. Yeah, they must be, again, going back to that auto system, there must be something really deep within us that that's servicing, right? Some oh, type is. of... Um, I miss it. I miss it immensely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and like I don't know if I often talk about this, and I don't know if it'll haunt me, but um, I often think about that with smoking. You know, yeah, like yeah. like it, it gave you it was an awesome bit of mindfulness. <laughs> you know, it just gave you two minutes to like and some away. Uh, yeah, exactly. Help you focus, but also your gaze was somewhere else. You know, you were quite, you know you were going between looking at how much your ash was on there, so you were very in the zone, blocking out the world. Yeah. To a flick because it needs to be quite accurate. You're trying not to burn yourself, so you're in the moment, and then you're back out looking at something else. And you know, this motion, this kind of fluid motion, almost like the meditative zone. And um, again, actually, this, again, this week, man, we were I got told by the guest this week that that was one of the ways that they got people to quit is to make them just really, really focus on hmm. on the on the process of having a cigarette, and they were able to quit because they saw that one that you know that's kind of what you're talking about like what is the basis of having a cigarette what are you doing you're taking some time you're relaxing your gaze following your breath you're meaningfully inhaling you're meaningfully exhaling you're again with that that exhale and you're watching all these people now vaping it's the same thing they're like trying to Trying to create that smoke, trying to create that. Yeah, it's it's interesting, fascinating, and again, like what is what is our primal um, attraction to this dangerous thing? <laughs> Holy fuck! Did you just like throw a major spanner in the works when you smoke? You do a slow inhale, followed by a, so you uh, you do that physiological sigh, and then you. Oh, so that's one of the things. What I. What I when people go to me, I smoke because I'm stressed. I'm like, you know why it's so good, eh? I say, yeah, there's nicotine. Like, no shit, that's a powerful drug. It's going to give you a focus. It's going to get you back on task. But what else are you doing? This and you know that swallowed breath, and and then you brought up more more things like that near focus, that far focus, that thinking that social environment that coffee that you're also having like oh you know that's crazy (laughs) that's crazy so really it's like you know you just you just basically take people through a simulated cigarette but you don't actually say it's smoking okay i want you to bring your hand close to your mouth you know touch your nose and breathe and inhale touch your lip touch your lip you know there we go and then breathe out you know, now, I don't know, look at your finger. Imagine it's a fire. Try not to burn yourself. <laughs> That's crazy, man. This is hey, a um, meditation. 
I tell you, there's uh, that's less crazy than most of the other shit out there, eh? You know, because there's some crazy wild stuff out there. So, um, look for me, it's just trying to wade our way through this and have these rich conversations. What we're doing, um, Ryan. Let's honestly, I'll, I want to keep going, but I want to also have dinner. <laughs> Um, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I love you, but I love food too. Oh, just, yeah, bro. just quickly, quickly humor me for a second. Let me um, hit you with some rapid fire questions. Yeah, mate. Okay. So first things that come into your mind. Uh, these are pretty big ones too. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. Ready. What, are, what is life? <laughs> mm. No, I can't do that. It's <laughs> I no, I got distracted. There's there's an epi song that uh that goes like five cents and I was like why haven't got five cents? I was like, what is life? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do for me. It wasn't rapid enough. <laughs> do we have do we have free will? No. Nah. <laughs> is the universe deterministic? No, nah, it's chaos. What is consciousness? Energy. Will we ever have a theory of everything? Oh, that came out on April Fool's, man. (laughs) (laughs) Brett Weinstein has got it. Run me through. 14 dimensions, man. Yeah. Uh, So apparently go to pullitupjamie.com. I don't know if Jamie managed to get that changed or not, but yeah. Awesome. I think it was uh, bloody Joe Rogan on April 2nd with Brett Weinstein. Awesome conversation. Joe Rogan's brain gets broken. It's good. It was kind of like when you got the simulation theory explained to him. His brain broke. (laughs) (laughs) What happens after you die? Um, Again, energy. Uh, energy transfer, cons- conservation of energy. What comes after Homo sapiens? Mm. Cyborgs. Damn, girl, that's intense. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, Ryan, I think you- we're already cyborgs, man. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's this microchip in us, right? And <laughs> it dominates. It's a parasite as well, by the way. Hey, um, plug your podcast, plug what you're up to. Um, where can people follow you and engage in that deepness that you bring? Cheers, brother. Um, the Stagger All podcast is uh, on most platforms. It's on YouTube as well. Um, there's an Instagram page called at the Stagger All. If you want to see me sort of personally, Ryan O'Connor, I'm at StagRyan and StagRyan.com. I think that'll do. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you ready for duck shooting this year? No. I'm, I'm moving on the 26th of June, so I should, probably should get my ass in the gear because it's half a month away, isn't it? It is. You'll find a pond. Actually, I was talking to my mate today that I shot with last year, so... I think he's going to still be around, but then he's about to go off to Fakatani during May, so that's probably going to fall through too. Well, look, if you need a partner, I'm pondless at the moment. I don't, <laughs> I, yeah, so, this, uh, this podcast is all culminating in the fact that uh, Will and, and Ryan need a place to come duck shooting. And do a, <laughs> and podcast while we duck shoot. That'll be so cool. Um, <laughs> all right, brother, we'll wrap it here. Thanks so much, awesome. brother. Cheers, brother. Cool. Cool.